This is a CJSR podcast. Volunteer powered. Listener supported. Campus and community. Radio. Podcast. Podcast. Radio. Radio and and podcast. podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Something that I recently learned, which was very powerful, which is money is a very, very emotional topic. Ryan. Hi, Sherry. What's the Cheesemus? This is What's the Cheesemus, a podcast about Philippinex identity in Edmonton. I'm Ryan Lacanalao, and the Cheesemus I want to get off my chest today, well, it kind of started with bubble tea. See, the other day, I found myself ordering bubble tea for the third day in a row. Fresh fruit avocado, my fave. And as I took out my credit cards, I started to wonder how much it would cost if I kept buying bubble tea every day for a year. So I whipped out my calculator. $7 times 365 equals $2,555. That's a trip for two to Australia. Or a used car. Or... 2,555 hot dogs from Ikea. All the thinking about money made me look at all the cards in my wallet. I had five credit cards, two debit cards, and a bunch of stamp cards from the bubble tea place down the street. So many cards! Are they really necessary? I wanted to get some perspective on this, so I asked my wife, Eileen. Here's what she had to say about credit cards. When I was in university, I had five credit cards. What happened was I maxed out the first credit card, so then I got another credit card to help pay for the first one, and then it just snowballed. And then I ended up with five and $8,000 in debt when I graduated from university, just from consumer debt. That's just consumer debt, so that was great. My wife and I often talk about finances, but I think it's a topic most people avoid, like it's taboo to talk about. But wouldn't we all be better off if we could talk openly about money and learn from each other's experiences? So I sat down with my mom and asked her about her best and worst money moves. When I was still working, I made a regular contribution to my retirement. So what would you say is the worst financial decision you've ever made? When I made an investment where I didn't really know much about it, and it was high risk. Uh, And I lost a lot of money. I also asked fellow What's the Chismis reporters, Raja and Julia. So I'd say the best financial decision I've ever made was buying my bike. Um, it's super hard to come by like a good quality bike. And I just have been looking on Kijiji for so long um, and then found something that was really great. And then that just was like the best purchase of the best time. I'm really proud of this sectional that I got from Ikea. And it's um, 
twice over um, secondhand. So I'm the third owner, but it retails for 1500 in Ikea, but they don't make it anymore. And I got it for 300. Ooh, so the worst one is, uh, is pretty rough. Um, I ended up having to pay for this program. It marketed itself as like an internship, but you had to pay for it. And then I ended it, it was in the States. And then, so I ended up spending a bunch of money. Ooh, it, it hurt my wallet. Oof. <laughs> the worst one that I've made is buying my brand new car. In hindsight, I don't need a brand new anything. Like I said, I love my deals, but for some reason, I just got talked into getting a brand new car. And here I am driving my brand new car that even though I know it's reliable, I know it's good, it, it still hurts. It hurts. And I got my Instagram friend, Andrew, to weigh in. Definitely when I started out in university, I had a group of friends and one of them had uh, essentially been um enchanted by her friend to join what we now know as um multi-level marketing scheme or a pyramid scheme they invited us to a seminar and at the end of the seminar they were like okay so yeah so you're just gonna give us uh, your information and this will be two hundred dollars and they they were very evasive about what exactly that entailed as well so i brought my friend who's in the accounting program to kind of vet if this was a legitimate uh, business model. And at the end of it, she uh, pulled me aside. She's like, get out. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was a great financial decision and life decision to, to invite my accounting friend to pull me out of it. Um, but it was definitely a bad decision to not say no, you know, when it's like, hey, just come to this thing. Like something inside me was definitely saying, don't do it. So I guess not listening to my gut was was a, a horrible financial decision for me to make. And that applies as well to um, my post-secondary degree, which I never wanted. It was kind of my parents trying to force me into like, hey, just get a degree, just get something. So yeah, I got the most, uh, I went into the program that I could tolerate the most, which was fine arts. Came out of that, uh, yeah, $50,000 less in my, um, to my, to my name and uh, no further in my career. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so in just a few short conversations about money, I had already learned some super valuable lessons. Don't buy a brand new car, buy a bike instead. Save part of every paycheck for your retirement, but don't invest it in anything sketchy. Watch out for pyramid schemes and listen to your gut when it comes to education. We also had a What's the Cheesemies listener, Giselle General, write in, suggesting we do an episode dedicated to finances. We listened and this is it. I called her up to ask her about her experiences. Hi Giselle. Hello. I'm looking at what you wrote in for the topic, and you did mention emotional conflicts from Utang na Loob. Now, for the listeners who don't know what Utang na Loob means, can you uh, give a, a description? I think that English translated ver meaning is uh, kind of like debt of gratitude. So it's, it is this uh, mindset where 
if someone has uh, done a good deed to help you, you know, maybe for instance, um, I guess in my case, you know, our, our parents died way early and a relative decided to raise us and help us and whatnot. It's the idea that you are indebted, you know, you, you should be grateful and that you are indebted to them and you always have to acknowledge and appreciate this good gesture that these uh, the person who helped you has, has done. Uh, and looking at it from that perspective alone, I think there's, there's a lot of beauty and value to the utang na loob uh, perspective. You know, it's, it's good to acknowledge and appreciate your parents for raising you, for instance. I think the, the challenge with this uh, mindset and dynamic is there seems to be an, an expectation in our culture that one of the applications of debt of gratitude is that you cannot, you can never say no to any requests or demands from that person whom you are indebted to. So that's, I think, where the problem starts and where the, the conflict starts. So, for example, um, and I've seen so many patterns of this, but I'll just use a, a bit of personal experience. Um, let's say, to in order to come to Canada, um, one you know, a bunch of the relatives from the Philippines pulled money to play, pay for plane tickets and that kind of thing. And a family member arrives in Canada and all is good. And then eventually this uh, person who is in Canada manages to pay back the debt to the relatives in the Philippines. Now that this person living in Canada is, you know, things are going well and they're being comfortable and whatnot, the relatives from the Philippines started demanding for money you know, like, I need, I want you to pay for the college tuition of all my children living in the Philippines, because now you live in Canada, and you earn a lot of money. And the person who's living in Canada now feels conflicted, because they feel that um, they should uh, acknowledge, you know, they so, they're so grateful for all the help that the people in the Philippines had. But at the same time, they don't have the capacity to, you know, send tens of thousands of dollars to uh, to the Philippines in order to reciprocate the good gesture that was uh, given to them before. And if the, the moment that the person in Canada says no, the person in the Philippines would be like, you are an ungrateful, awful person. What happened to acknowledging all the things I've done for you? I think it, it becomes a reason to not acknowledge uh, limitations and boundaries. Mm -hmm. yeah. So... Can you tell me, have you found any tools to help like when you're getting these requests that are very hard to say no to? I'll be honest with you. I haven't found a perfect solution for this. The last time I had this um, situation in my personal life that was uh, about seven years ago. So um, yeah, when I moved to Edmonton, I was living with uh, one of my aunts, one of my mom's sisters, very lovely lady. She really cares about me and my brother and, uh, you know, was very uh, involved trying to help out as much as uh, possible, especially after my, uh, my parents um, passed away. So I moved here in 2008 and then my brother came 
in 2011. And overall, things were okay in the house. We were behaving like roommates in a sense, where even if we are younger and uh, and we are students with limited income, we paid our fair share in everything. So utilities and groceries and whatnot. And at the time, we were renting a house. It was a very nice and big house. You know, it has six bedrooms, so um, enough for me and my brother and other relatives to to live in. So that was uh, that was a that was a good arrangement. After a while, they wanted to have their own house, and I completely understand that sentiment. You know, having a home that you call your own. Where instead of paying rent, you're paying towards a mortgage and and all the kind of good stuff. I completely appreciate and understand the sentiment. The challenge that they had is that that uh, that they didn't have money saved for a down payment, and that their credit rating was not in good shape. So in order to do this, uh, they needed to come up with the money, and they knew. For many, many, many years, I've been saving for money to say to go to the Philippines to finally visit for the first time since immigrating. So I was approached by by them, asking me if I can loan out my vacation money, and my and my trip was about six months away. So I was like really stressed and uh, uncomfortable, and they promised me that they will pay back my my money in proper installments while I was uh, vacationing so that I have my money while traveling. My significant other, who is not Filipino, had cautioned me against this. He, he said that this might be problematic. But since these are you know wonderful relatives who had helped us for so long, uh, I, I felt no that the, I felt that there's no other option other than say yes. Um, there's the age dynamic as well and, and all this other stuff too, you know, the Filipino values of not saying no to elders and being obedient, like all of that played a role as well. So I loaned my money, I think it was about $10,000. And then I had probably like a couple thousand dollars still in my bank account. So I was able to function okay during my um, first few weeks and months in the Philippines. And then I would message them regularly, like, I'm halfway through my vacation. I, I need my money so that I can travel and do other stuff. But they did not pay it back the way they promised. Like, they would send just like a few hundred dollars or $500 or whatever, but, but not enough for the trip. So that caused issues during my trip to the Philippines. Um, we, we managed to, my, my partner and I managed to sort it out, but um, it was a bad, bad uh it, it, it definitely put a damper on our trip, let's just say. I sorted out, do you mean he had to then pay for you? Yes. Yes, because I guess there's no other way if you just uh-huh. don't have the money that you saved up. So. Absolutely. And then, yes, when I came back in uh, um, after the trip, this was the summer of 2013, I was still asking them, you know, um, can you can I please get my money back? Now I'm back in Canada. I'm actually unemployed. I need to pay my student loans. I do need to pay my rent to you guys and whatnot. So they made an they offered a compromise saying like, well, just just don't don't you don't have to pay for anything, you know, like we'll we'll 
will credit it essentially, right? And you know, will they're gonna um, uh, say that you know they're gonna cover my portion of the rent and groceries and utilities and whatnot, which is fine. However, I do need some actual money in my back in my bank account. However, because of this, you know, emotional dynamic of utang naloob, I felt really reluctant to bring it up too often. You know, there's the fear of inciting conflict. So I wasn't sure about, I wasn't sure how often can I ask for, for money, but it's still causing me a lot of emotional and financial stress. I, and then I found out when I came back that the, their process of getting a house is not going as well as they thought. So they, they have my money for a down payment and their credit rating was not good. So they need another person to co-sign. I'm unemployed, so I'm not, I'm, I'm out and, you know, I'm not a good person to co-sign anymore. And that's where um, they try to find other, other ways, other tactics. And just a few months before that, my brother just turned 18. And, you know, when you're 18 years old, you can sign up for a credit card and that kind of stuff. And as soon as my relatives found out that my brother is 18 years old and had signed up for his first starter credit card, they asked him, you know, politely, I guess, if he would consider co-signing a mortgage. I don't know about you, but I don't think an 18-year-old understands completely the financial implications of co-signing a mortgage. But my brother felt really pressured emotionally. It caused him a lot of stress. He felt like he couldn't say no. Let's back up just a little bit. How did they find out that your brother was was getting like one of those starter credit cards? Oh boy, yes. Oh, that's that's a good thing. Thank you for reminding me. Um, yeah, uh, it's. Uh, I was shocked and angry when when I discovered how my relatives found out that my brother is uh, has signed up for a starter credit card because I thought that was an invasion of privacy. My, I was told that uh, my brother applied for this uh, little credit card, you know, $500 credit limit, nothing fancy. And when you apply for a credit card, you get the card in the mail. And what my brother told me is that when he received his mail with the credit card, the envelope was already open. And then a few days after, that was when our relatives asked my brother if he would consider co-signing a um, mortgage because he already has a little bit of credit history by applying for a starter credit card. So that's how that happened, and um, it's pretty it's it's pretty upsetting. It can I can you know it's it's difficult to comfortably live in a home where your mail will would be opened without your consent. Yeah, so that was a really difficult um, afternoon and evening. So at around 4 p.m. is when my brother called me and told me, he's like, Ate, Ate. I was like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? And he's like, Ate, Tita open. You know, like she, my brother just started like, kind of like ranting in English and Tagalog saying that um, he was, you know, they had a 
serious talk and he's being asked to co-sign the mortgage and he's like, I don't know what to do, Ate. Oh my gosh, you should have stayed in the house. He was like really like agitated. Where were and you? I was hanging out with my uh, boyfriend at his condo. Okay. Uh, okay. So at around um, afternoon, uh, that afternoon, my brother called me agitated and stressed out. I said it, I, I told uh, my partner what happened. I started crying and he's like, this is not okay. We're moving you out right now. So what he did is I was, I was very terrified of the idea. But when I texted my brother what we're going to do, he actually felt more, um, more supported. He's like, oh, okay, okay. This, this is, you know, this is good to know. And my, my husband, uh, I keep calling him my husband because it's my husband now, right? right. <laughs> but um, he asked a few people like coworkers and friends and his family members and set up a caravan of vehicles so that we can move out our stuff. So after dinner, we went to the house and um, I told my uncle um, that we are moving out and he was a bit indifferent about it. He's like, oh, okay, whatever. And, and I was surprised by how indifferent he was. But we, so it, we said, like, oh, okay. You just said, okay, we'll, we'll start packing our stuff and go. However, when my aunt and my cousin came home, they were very shocked, which I, I completely understand. And, um, you know, heated words were exchanged. You're like, why are you doing this? I can't believe you're doing this. How, you know, how ungrateful of you to just move out and that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, just, you know, he, he, he did words were exchanged and, you know, ha haven't you thought about everything that we've done for you? And all of those kinds of arguments uh, came up, which was very difficult for me to, to hear. And um, the other challenging thing, too, is that the, the yelling and the crying was all in Tagalog. And my husband, who doesn't know Tagalog, like, he has no idea what we're saying. He's just there, like, holding my hand and, you know, listening in to all the, the, the yelling and, and crying. But and while our friends and his family members continue to pack up and move our stuff. Um, yeah, so it, it, was, it, was, it was a really difficult conversation because I think, I don't think they realize how afraid we were because, uh, you know, difficult conversations, it's, there's so much like, shame in terms of bringing up uh, difficult topics. I guess they didn't realize how much emotional distress their requests had uh, caused to us. And, and it, it's tough because um, they said during that, you know, after we had all our crying and we were a little bit more calmed down, they said, like, you could have just told us that you cannot loan us the money or you could just told us that you cannot co-sign the mortgage. And, and my brother, after a while back, he's like, well, if we said no, they're going to still use the utang na loob argument. You know, why are you not helping us with this and stuff like that? And that's literally what happened during that heated conversation that night. But um, yeah, we moved out all our stuff um, that night. And then a few days after, where, where, while we were adjusting in our brand new living arrangements, we were living in my uh, boyfriend's condo. Uh, so yeah, I, I talked to my brother. He's like, how are you feeling right now? And he's like, it is so much peaceful here because of, um, yeah, there's no uh, fear of unreasonable expectations being imposed on you. That's what he said. 
Mm-hmm. I see. So, wow, that's a lot to happen in one night. Oh, yes. A lot of crying, I tell you that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm curious, did you get the rest of your money back? I, I did not. At the time, I think I was owed perhaps between three to $4,000 more, but I did not feel comfortable pursuing them for it. Um, after that conversation with my brother, when we moved to my boyfriend's condo a couple of days after, uh, that peace of mind is so priceless for us. Um, it, you know, I guess things started turning up for the better after we moved into my uh, boyfriend's condo. Um, my brother was able to sort out what he wanted to do for school for that um, upcoming uh, month for September. I found a job within two weeks, so I was able to pay for rent and groceries and whatnot with our, our new rent with my new arrangement. Um, with my uh, with my partner, I managed to start paying him back for the money he lent me during the trip, which was a, it's a fair amount of money. It took me a couple years to pay that back, and it was stressful because it's a uncomfortable dynamic in your relationship, right? Uh, but uh, but after we're, after I've paid off my debt to my partner, and um, I just decided that you know that's a you know that's a closed chapter in my life, and um, and it's and it's okay. In the job that I started doing in 2014, I learned a terminology that like blew my mind. And then when I told my partner, he's like, yeah, that's exactly what happened to you. Um, I learned the terminology of financial abuse. Because I think for many, for the average folk and even for Filipino people, I think I think we think abuse is just one thing, you know, where people say when someone's like punching you in the face and calling you names and, and whatnot, like that's what we think of as abuse. But with my work in the not-for-profit sector, I started learning all the different kinds of abuse. And it's not like the person inflicting the abuse, like they might not even know that that's what they're doing, right? But uh, yeah, there's there's different kinds of abuse. There's physical abuse, there's emotional abuse, there's sexual abuse, there's financial abuse, where you are, where a person might be doing things or making requests that uh, makes the other person feel violated and also jeopardizes their financial future. So many lessons learned from Giselle's experiences. Here are my top three. Lesson number one. There's a lot of value in utang na laob, but there needs to be boundaries and understanding on both sides. Lesson number two. Be cautious when lending money to people. Don't lend it if you'll be needing it. And lesson number three. If you feel like someone is violating you financially, you may be experiencing financial abuse. Get help and find a way out. There's a link to a resource in the show notes. So the next time you find yourself drinking some bubble tea, remember 2,555 hot dogs. And also try to talk to somebody about money. Let's break down the taboos so we can learn from each other's experiences.
What's the Muse is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton on Treaty 6 territory. Today's episode was produced by me, Ryan Lacanalau. Thanks to Giselle General for the topic idea and the interview. And thanks to Mariel Diaz, Rebecca Lacanalau, Andrew Dizon, and my fellow podcasters, Raja McGay and Julia Huko for speaking with us. You can find all our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and on our website, whatsthecheesemuse.transistor.fm. Follow us on Instagram at whatsthecheesemuse and on Facebook at whatsthecheesemusecjsr. That's what's the T-S-I-S-M-I-S. You can also email us at cheesemuse at cjsr.com. Salamat!